Victor. There's still time. Join us. Together we can face it. Face what? The darkness. Welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And sometimes also best. Um, <laughs> but uh, but for this time... <laughs> and best. <laughs> for this time, we're talking about Isaac Asimov's short story, uh, novelette, really, I think is the category. Yes. Uh, Nightfall from... Really? 1941. 1941. It's kind of a short story, isn't it, though? It was only like 20 pages or something. It, it's something like 12,000 words, which is in the gray area between short story uh, and novelette. I think for the Hugo okay. categories, it's a novelette. Got it. So... For right. recent Hugo categories. Yeah, yeah. And Nightfall has been adapted into a longer book, which none of us have read because we're lazy. Right. And also has been adapted into two movies, one from 1988, I think, and one from 2000, <laughs> neither of which is any good. Loosely, so, ad- loosely adapted. <laughs> yeah, very loosely. And so we're going to talk about them anyway, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, the short story is quite ubiquitous. It was it was uh, anthologized a lot. Mm-hmm. It's generally regarded as one of Asimov's best short stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finally did put it in his own anthology right. of Nightfall and other stories. That's where I read it, and yeah, and yeah. I did too. Um, and uh, did you read his um, intro to the book? Yeah, I thought, I thought that was fun. <laughs> oh, to the book? No, just yeah. the story. Oh no, he he wrote a little intro to the book talking about. Uh, why he created it in the first place and why he included Nightfall. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, was, that was where he had yeah. never included in one of his, mm-hmm. even though it was considered like his right, best exactly, one. He's yeah. like, but that's, it's a really early one. So does that have to be the best one? <laughs> He's like, is, is it really that good? He, yeah. he was totally like, yeah, uh, I did read that. Deflating it. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it was just the intro to the story because it's the first story in the collection. Uh, but, but yeah, no, I did read yeah. that. So, yeah. 1968, the Science Fiction Writers Association. Decided it was the best short story written before 1965. Cool. You can find it in a variety of places, lots of different anthologies. There is an Escape Pod episode mm-hmm. of it, because uh, it's in the public domain, and uh, mm-hmm. I guess, so. But don't confuse it with the book. The novel. Like. Yeah, don't confuse it with the novel, but none of us are going to confuse <laughs> it with the novel, because we have not read it. Right. right. Um, <laughs> sometimes when we've done this kind of thing, like when we did the, was it the John Varley one? Um, the Seventh Victim? No. Millennium. Millennium. Yeah. Air Raid. Millennium, where you you read the novel, but I did. none of the rest of us did. And uh, this time we didn't. We just were like, you know, what, we're doing the story, and the movies are based on the short story, and so that's fine. If you say so. Yeah. Technically <laughs> speaking, Robert Silverberg wrote the novel. Right. Just expanded right. on the uh, concept. Yeah. Although As- Asimov said that after he read he after he wrote it read it that uh, he really felt like uh, Silverberg had copied his style and the themes and everything, so you really couldn't tell the difference, which was an oh. interesting thing to say. Hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it makes sense when doing a collaboration to try and have a, you know, yeah. a voice, mm-hmm. right? Any previous history of this one? Have you read it before? I had known about it. That's about okay. it. I think that's my case too. I, I I know that I had heard about it. And there's another. There's a similar like Bradbury one, but it's sort of the opposite, where the like it rains all the time and then the sun comes out for a very brief time, or maybe hmm. maybe oh. it was night all the time and then the sun comes out. I there, I remember there being sort of an opposite one. Isn't there, there's one from Bradbury with the name, with summer in it, and it all happens in one day. You, you know, I bet, I bet you could ask Phil. Yeah. I Let's ask Phil. I, actually, no, yeah, no, I think like, people only live a few days. I can't, I can't remember. Somebody hmm. can correct me. Phil, you can, you can chime in with that. But I'm ham-handedly. <laughs> I might know, I might know you could ask. nothing to do with Nightfall. <laughs> <laughs> James, you, you knew about this one or? Not at all. Okay. No. 
Okay. I mean, I had kind of picked this one up because because um, I'm plotting to do an episode with Alec Neville Lee, where we're going to talk about Asimov's work, and Nightfall is one of the the sort of basics that you should cover, along with probably more famous stuff like iRobot Foundation. Yeah. Right. So what is this about? So normally we we try to say you know what. What story encompasses all everything that we've read and watched? And we kind of stopped doing that, though. Yeah. And I was going to say that for this particular work to really describe <laughs> what happened with the movies, that we should really focus on the sh- on the story, yeah. on the short story for a little bit. And then we can talk about right. what happened in the first movie and the second movie. Yeah. That makes sense? Agreed. Yep. Yeah. So the whole premise of this is there is a planet out there in, in, the, in the universe that has so many suns that it's never dark. Right. And there's an astronomer, and they, they've, the civilization has progressed to the point where they know what astronomy is, and they know that at some point that the last moon is going to set, and there's going to be a short period of darkness. Yeah. And they've never had any darkness. Right. So they're concerned about the end of the world because they all have a, a bred-in right. fear of darkness, mm-hmm. and, uh, and there are some other things which come into that. Right. And and there's the there's a very science versus religion kind of thing going on because the the scientists have come around to the idea that oh yeah okay we know why this is happening celestial mechanics even though you can't do a lot of astronomy with no night sky right you can you can and, right. and that's that's why at some point they say can yeah. you imagine a universe that has as many as what twenty four stars in it <laughs> yeah in in an eight light year because that's that's basically the size because right. I don't I don't get the impression that they're all in the system. Um, because this is what I wanted to talk about. It's not exactly hard science fiction, right? Could this planet conceivably, could this situation exist where a planet is entirely always in the light? You could get it with a, a planet orbiting a sun that's tidally locked, where one side of it would always be in the light and the sun would never set. But if it was rotating, you would always have something away from the sun unless there's a star on the other side. I think that's why he threw in six or seven suns, just yeah. to make sure you got right. enough coverage. Yeah. I'm still not sure that it makes sense, honestly, because he goes to great lengths to say when this last, uh, they've kind of figured out that there may be another body out there that's in the right chromatic range that they can't see it due to the sunlight, right? So it's blue and, and right. like all the yellow washes it out mm-hmm. and that it's going to eclipse and enough that it covers the whole umbra and everything, right? The, and, and will be entirely in the dark. But then if Lagash or Lagash, uh, the planet rotates, then that should really only affect one side of the planet and the other side would either already be in the dark and the planet itself would be eclipsing that sun or something. So that's why I'm not, I'm not right. sure it totally makes sense. I don't think it, <laughs> it bears thinking too deeply about. Yeah, I think you have to accept that part of the premise, kind of mm-hmm. like the density of Martian wind. I think it's a disc or- world. It's a what? It's a disc it's world. A disc world. <laughs> it's flat earth. It's, fla- it's a flat earth. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. And there's, you mentioned the tension between science and religion, but there's mm-hmm. also, I think, a third tension, and that was the media. Yeah. So the yeah. media is playing this up to oh, sell yeah. papers. Mm-hmm. And on the on the day when the eclipse in the final night is going to happen, one of the reporters has the audacity to try and come <laughs> to this head astronomer's observatory, and he wants to report about it. Mm-hmm. And the head of the head astronomer says, "What are you talking about? You've caused us all these problems. You've inflamed the passions of the populace. You made us look like idiots." Mm-hmm. And the newspaper man says, "Why do you care? Either I'm going to look like an idiot and you're going to be right, or you're right and no one's going to care the day after this happens. Right. Right. So there's, there'll be no one to read it." Yeah, and I think that's one of the things to talk about about the story. It starts off like four and a half hours from the final eclipse. Yeah, right. Because right. they have six suns, 
Is that what it is? Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's at this point, there's only one remaining in the sky. Right. And so Beta. the light is starting to change. Beta. Yeah. And there is evidence that there were previous epochs. Right, right, where, where, right, and and they, they talk about it where like yeah, in the story it was two thousand years, yeah, and yes. the movie is like thousand years, <laughs> yeah, both movies I think, <laughs> and and so they know that something survives, but the civilization essentially crumbles mm-hmm. uh, be- because the idea is a civilization that is so dependent on light would not be able to cope with the darkness. Um, their fears would would all be realized. They would go crazy and burn everything down in an attempt to. To have light. Then once everything burned right. down, they'd probably just go crazy and... Go crazier. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. But this time, they're trying to preserve the the theory, the theory of gravitation, which they've come up with. Right. So kind of Encyclopedia Galactica, mm-hmm. one entry. Um, <laughs> and, and trying to... And, and they have some kind of artificial light that they're going to use to help people wait out the eclipse. In the hideout. In the hideout, yeah. yes. So their families are there. A bunch of other scientists are there. Mm-hmm. They're they're um, remotely sending all their data right into the hideout, mm-hmm. which which made me feel like there was a pretty sophisticated level of technology. Yeah. Also, something that may well at least in the first movie was not evidenced. No, no, definitely, and not in the other one. Either. Neither in neither. Yeah. And I, I mean, it is it's a fascinating idea, and I want to talk about fear of the dark just because that's an interesting thing to talk about from a, on a personal level, <laughs> um, but. Uh, and and a movie like Pitch Black, right? They they end up on a in at a pretty chaotic, chaotic system with multiple moons and planets and that kind of stuff. Where at some point everything converges and you get a long eclipse, right? And so there's no technology that you know runs on fossil fuels or anything like that because everything is powered by solar. Because why wouldn't it be? And and that's what you would have here, right? You wouldn't have any reason to produce artificial light. You know, on the surface, you'd sure think that. Unless you're inside. Well, I know. Yeah. 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 No, every room has windows. There's no such thing as an internal room in this universe. So, yeah. So, there are no yeah. apartment buildings right. that right. don't have some kind of light fixture or window. Mm-hmm. Oh, they don't have roofs because it never rains. And there's, right. it never rains, so they don't have roofs. <laughs> and there are, yeah, so there's no film development. Mm-hmm. And they don't go underground. Oh, wait. Except they've never been underground. Because they're mining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so there can't be any mines, right? right. Well, they, they they talk about how there is, you know, there's temporary darkness, right, when you're under the shade of something, but mm-hmm. never complete mm-hmm. darkness that you can't escape from. And so it's yeah. it's like it's a deep seated racial fear, right? Like it's 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 inbred in the it's endemic mm-hmm. um, because no one's experienced it. It's the unknown, right? Yeah. It's it's like like the natural sure. fear of the ocean for people who are you know afraid of water, afraid of water, or you know grow up someplace super far from the water. Yeah. Well, yeah. and at one point, several of the scientists, actually a pair of the scientists, had built a uh, a darkness room, mm-hmm. and then they'd put right. it up, put it on a ceiling covering <laughs> and poked all these holes in it, mm-hmm. and they went in, and absolutely nothing happened. Right. right. But, but they're also, they're not sure that the stars really exist. Yeah. Um, and that's why the thing, you know, <laughs> it could be a, a dozen of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> but never just one and one. The one yeah. and ones, yeah, that's mm-hmm. not a stable scenario. Right, yeah, because you could never have life evolve <laughs> under that, because light is so necessary. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it's the science and religion stuff is interesting because of the way science can become very hidebound. If you have you have this small thing to observe, and you've observed it to your the best of your ability, and you assume that you have the whole story, and that's that's where things get into trouble in science. Where they're like, well, we've got it, we've got it, right. <laughs> we're good, and then you know, quantum mechanics comes in and 
kicks you in the balls. Screws everything up. Yeah. <laughs> but let's, let's talk about uh, Fear of the Dark. You know, gr- growing up, or were you uh, a Fear of the Dark kind of kid? I was. I had a little uh, Donald Duck nightlight. And I remember, in fact, oh. <laughs> one night where my parents forgot to plug it in. Mm-hmm. So I, I quietly crawled out of bed and I crawled over to the wall and I felt for the wall plate. And I, the, the, the Donald Duck was right there. And so I lifted it up and I put my fingers on the plugs so I could tell where they were. And then I inserted it. Yeah. And my parents showed up about 30 seconds later after I was done screaming. Right. Nice. <laughs> nice. Oh, what Damn. about you, James? No. No fear of the dark? No. Never? I grew up watching too many horror movies, I think. <laughs> okay. You were you, you got desensitized to it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, I, you know, I grew up in Anchorage, and so the winter is very dark. Yeah. The summer is very light. And so, like, my pattern of having nightmares was much more prevalent in the winter. Because oh, it's right. really hard to wake up and be scared of a closet monster when you can see into you your closet. You can see everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, yeah, so I always much preferred the summer. This did kind of remind me of Alaska, actually, reading reading this. I was like, hmm, it's with the with the yeah, yeah Alaskan summer, I guess, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> or yeah. whatever. I had a C three PO nightlight. <laughs> I had this golden light, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was a big fan of that. And like when I would go to bed, I would ask my parents to leave the hall light on until I fell asleep. You could see it under the door? No, I was just door open. Oh. Yeah, like how was it sleeping with no darkness? <laughs> It seems weird to me. It's just the way I need to are. experience it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like I, somebody asked me once, "Well, did you have like blackout curtains or something?" I went, mm-hmm. "No, it just it was just light and when you just, went to bed, and it was light when you woke it up." It was just and, that time of day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like taking a yeah. nap on Saturday afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, touche. <laughs> it works. And then in the winter, you're going to sleep when it's dark, and you're waking up when it's dark, right. and you're going to school when it's dark. And you come home when well, it's dark. That's, no, you come that's home winter when, here, too. <laughs> well, it kind of is, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's by degrees, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, When I was in high school, we got out at 2 p.m., yeah. and so it was dark for like an hour. It was, it was light for like an hour and a half an before. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, after we got home. Uh, what else? There's Yeah, so there's the, the tension between religion and media and the scientists. And in fact, the newspaper guy thought that the cultists would love the scientists because they had proved them to be right. 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 And the, they didn't because the cultists thought it would mean the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And the scientists know that this will just be a short temporary thing. Yeah. And then they're, in both their ways, they're both kind of right. Their mm-hmm. world is going to end. And then in the destruction mm-hmm. of it, a new mm-hmm. one will be born. Mm-hmm. And at one point, a cultist breaks into the, mm-hmm. uh, the observatory right. and tries to destroy the film so that there's no record in, just in case they're going to be right. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of, you remember the Harold Camping uh, Doomsday Prophecy from 2011? Christian, do yourself a favor. Sometime look at like <laughs> Doomsday Prophecies Wikipedia page. It's they're not all religious ones. There, there, there are oh, some you know that are are different or or like Nostradamus, right? I guess that would right. be fundamentally religious. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of uh, you know Islamic and Mormon and and you know Seventh Day Adventist and comment and, and and just garden variety Christian. Yeah. Um, the hail Bob comment people and and that kind of thing, (laughs) but no, Harold camping famously in, in 2011 said that the world was going to end in April, 2011. Mm. And it did not. It hasn't yet. Newsflash. And so so then he kicked it down the road to October. Um, but but I remember I was listening to Steve Gregg, who's a a Christian teacher Mm -hmm. who who takes, who does a call-in show and -hmm. somebody called in and was telling him, Steve, the world's going to end. And he's like, well, will you call me back tomorrow when it does not? Because like, but it will. Like, but, but if it doesn't, but, but it will. And he had a hard time pinning the guy down on agreeing that if he was wrong, he would call back. He did call back. Oh. Um, and then he did not trust the, the kick it down the road to October thing after that. But yeah, it's, it's a weird 
phenomenon, the, the doomsday. Doomsdayers. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. There were lots of them around 1,000 AD. Mm-hmm. People figured the big round number was mm-hmm. important to God. <laughs> well, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> 2,000 was, was supposed to be the, yep. the, the yep. Y2K. Mm-hmm. Or 2012 also was something else, wasn't Yeah, it? 2012 was yeah. a Mayan calendar one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They even made a movie. They even had, I was going to say, they even had a movie, yeah. <laughs> the perfect director for that kind of movie, Rowan Emmerich. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, str- but, but like, it's the phenomenon of you can't be talked out of it because you're sure it's true. Yeah. Right. You know, as I read the story, I kind of thought because the scientists were all very rational that they would survive nightfall. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a shock as they're all going crazy one by one and they're describing the fact that, you know, one guy right. realized he was starting to go crazy and that his, his, he was going to end with his craziness. He would no longer exist. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is kind of a, it's a bit of a downer ending, right? Cause it, it sure enough comes true. Everybody is unprepared for the darkness. And I feel like what right. they should have done is taken notes down for the next cycle do some darkness therapy every now and then <laughs> get everybody used to it, build some interior rooms in your apartment complexes <laughs> And uh, and get people used to being able to cope with the darkness, mm-hmm. and maybe work on some electricity storage media, so that you can you know maybe create batteries so that you can have flashlights. <laughs> right. But they had no need. Right, I know, but but they do now. <laughs> but no, then they, they don't. They, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, not so much. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. Now they now they like to know about clothing, <laughs> textiles. It, this is like the opposite of City of Ember, right? Where where like they don't have any light uh, yeah. most of the time, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so with that, you know, I was kind of looking forward to a movie that would adapt this and and display it and talk about science versus religion versus mm, you know mm-hmm. inflaming passions for the purpose of 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 profit. Oh, and there attention. were inflamed passions. <laughs> yeah, and that then we have the 1988 movie. <laughs> yes, uh, I didn't I, I didn't look up who directed it or anything like that. I I, I noticed that it was Dario Zawolski who who did the cinematography who hmm. was nominated for an Oscar for news of the world a couple of years ago. So he, he's evidently kept working despite this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's not like it's, I didn't recognize it's not like the cinematography is bad. 1988 movie. Roger Corman did the 2000 or produced the 2000 movie. Yeah. Which I was like, huh, really? Yeah. His wife produced the 1988 movie. <laughs> Did the I was wondering if they were related. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Did the 1988 one release in theaters or was it direct video? I, I don't know. Yeah. It was reviewed by the LA Times, and so I'm guessing it had some kind of a release. Okay. Uh, maybe not very widespread. Hmm. Maybe it was film festival. Maybe, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. don't know. Uh, the director was and the screenwriter were both Paul Mayersberg. Okay. Uh, starring David Burney, mm-hmm. famous wife beater. Ouch. <laughs> and Who? Ursa from Superman 2. Right. And then a bunch of other people I didn't recognize. Uh, very strange adaptation. Yeah. Um, quite boring. And it, yeah. And, and, yeah. And it, it was like an it was hour, a weird movie, <laughs> twenty five minutes, something yep. like that. The the scene changes were terrible. Yes, for a while. well, the, what was the plot of the movie? I, yep, I, that too. I, I totally <laughs> yeah. like it starts off with a, with a voiceover, which is always a bad sign, right? It's like, well, you're not going to understand this unless we explain it to you. Yeah, well, and especially because for us who read yeah. the story. And you're told a voiceover that has very little to do with the story. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the lead astronomer had fallen in love with this lady that wanders in out of the desert and abandoned yeah, like, his wife, his family. And, and James and I completely missed that. <laughs> totally. Even yeah. with the voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, wait, who is this lady? I don't know how we completely missed that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had to go back and replay that. And like, okay, I guess it was there. Um, but yeah, so that like the lead astronomer uh, who has the same name as the guy from the book, mm-hmm. which- Aton. Aton, that's right. 
And so he's like abandoned his post and is mm-hmm. not, not helping prepare for anything. And like his, his, uh, yeah, minion. He, keeps he got a new girlfriend and forgot yeah. about everything else. Right. Yeah. That happens. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then there's a blind guy who's the leader of the cult. Yes. Right. Of the, the illuminations or whatever it was. The, the Illuminati. The book of illumination. They were Illuminati. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Book of Illumination, right? Instead of the Book of Revelations, yeah. which I felt like the story right. is not at all subtle about. Um, no, you know because because Asimov, I think he was Jewish, but not necessarily observant, but obviously familiar right. with some of the doomsday. F- stuff. I took a note about something in the book, which I thought was funny, and now I'm, now that I'm reading my note, I remember why. And that he kind of breaks the fourth wall, I guess. Uh, what do you call it when you're reading? Mm-hmm. Um, in that he mentions Earth, and he talks about how. Earth has a measly thirty six hundred stars. Right. Yeah, that's right at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious why he chose to break the wall at that point, break the narration at that point. Well, I mean, I think you have to assume this is a colony, right? Because this is humanity, and they even call it humanity, which I guess is just in in anyone's language could just be well, the maybe. language yeah, of the I people, guess. right? But yeah, because yeah, there was no other allusion to the fact that they were related to Earth at all. No, so it was interesting. But. Yeah. It just yeah. kind of drops you in and, yeah. and goes, yeah. but but it was a strange aside. <laughs> and then abruptly yeah. ends too, I suppose. It does. Which is where I thought maybe the movie and novel might take up. I was kind of curious. Yeah. Like, and expound upon, yeah, okay, so it's nightfall, now what? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious if the book does that at all, um, but apparently none of us have read it. So yeah. I was like, oh, well. Uh, and then I was hoping like the movie might do something with it, but apparently not. Yeah, because that's what a, a short story can do, right? If a, yeah, 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 a, what a yeah, short yeah. story adaptation mm-hmm. can do, it can be like, well, is this asking right. the obvious questions that we could answer right. in a variety of ways, yeah, right? It gives you room to play, you know, all the movie mm-hmm. instead of trying to be canonical. <laughs> right. Well, you, you well, can, this, you, that you might can, help this movie. Yeah. yeah. You, you can adapt this <laughs> whole short story and still add some stuff to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. To right, flesh right, it out. Right. As opposed to a full length novel where if you don't stick to the novel, then you're a garbage movie. Well, you're yeah. never going to be able to stick to the novel, right? You're, you're always having to shave stuff off of it, right? So, yeah. so, so then that that gets you to say, well, why did you add that? You had to delete right. a bunch of stuff. So why, why instead of adding in that right. stupid thing with the paladins from Jumper, you know, why add that whole subplot that's not in the book? Right. Yeah, yeah. So why did they add the woman in the desert? I have no idea. <laughs> she used made to be no a snake. sense whatsoever. Yeah, did she used to be a snake? <laughs> I have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> no idea. No idea. So the movie's very whispery. There's a lot more sex scenes than I expected. Right. <laughs> like seven like, or eight, right? What? Yeah. Where, where did this, like, why, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, because, makes no sense to the, to, well, I was going to say makes no sense to the plot, but there was no plot. So <laughs> I was trying to figure out who the main character of the movie was. And I don't think there was one. I think it was the cult leader. You think? Uh, yeah, that that's probably the best argument. I think it was the Nightfall. Yeah. <laughs> the Nightfall was the main character. So I, I, I promised you some choice yeah. quotes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, so this wait, is wait, from, is this for the 88 movie or 2000? I didn't watch the 2000 movie. Oh, you guys right. will have to suffer from No, no, I, mean, I thought they were quoted. Never mind. I'll let you go. Yeah. I'll shut up. <laughs> so this is the first quote is, is from the, the director. Nightfall was for me about a state of mind, not about a sequence of events. That tracks. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because there really, there weren't a lot of events. No. 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 Um, and the other thing he says. And the sequencing was terrible. <laughs> yeah, sequencing was horrible. <laughs> I'm of the belief that, in general, film is not a very good medium for science fiction. It's visual, and therefore not very, not very imaginative. Why? So, science fiction in print, you can apply your imagination to, but as soon as you try and translate it to the screen, 
you're taking the imagination imagination away from it. Yes, locking it down into huh. one one quantum state. Yeah, I think that explains a few more mm. a few more things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, strictly speaking, the events of the movie are precipitated by the the, the setting of the suns, and the it, it doesn't even show an eclipse in this movie. It no. just it shows the final sun sets. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then it's so brightly lit by the film lights that you're still wondering if it's really dark or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And, uh, and, and, there, and there is the opposition between the, you know, the faithful and the scientists and that kind of stuff where I guess they said that only the people who blinded themselves would survive. Now, that's an interesting thing, right? Because right. if they have a cultural, societal, inbred fear of darkness, it seems like anybody born blind wouldn't be sane. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that too. And as they were blinding the people, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And the way they blinded people was very, you know, one of the very definitions of kind insanity. Of yeah. Where you lay on yeah. a table and allow birds to peck out your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yummy. Yeah. That would not be it. Oh, no, no, no. Does anybody want some more snacks? <laughs> <laughs> are they, are they gooey on the inside? <laughs> Peeled grapes. Mm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard to pin down everything the movie did wrong. <laughs> Let's start at the top. <laughs> <laughs> voiceover. Problem number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah vo- vo- started with a voiceover. Really no plot. Mm-hmm. The cinematography was not bad. No. It's too long a time frame, too. I, I feel like y- you could you could go back to a couple of right. days, but there the Story has a ticking clock, right? It starts off, you're like four and a half hours from the apocalypse, from what they think the apocalypse is. Everything's urgent. Mm-hmm. Nothing felt urgent in this movie. There, there was time to go out to the desert and have desert nookie yeah. with the mystery lady. <laughs> yes. Um, who, Your son, yeah, his son-in-law had <laughs> yeah. slept with his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah it's, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, missing that ticking clock. And then they didn't have the eclipse part of it. And so they didn't, you know, the astronomers were kind of useless. The The... His minion lady made him something that used sound, it kites right. and sound like to a sound track telescope. <laughs> and I was never at, at all sure what that was doing. Yeah, she did invent light though using crystal technology. Yes, the 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 the, the, the uh, light up. Uh, what what are those things where where it's like uh, it's supposed to em- emit positive ions or something? Oh, like the, little... those Himalayan salt lamps. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what it looked like. Something you'd get in the sharper image. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Indeed. Yeah. And, and so I, I just wasn't sure like what actually happened at the end either. Did everybody go crazy? They didn't seem to burn everything down. No, it felt very hopeful at the end. Yeah. Which well, you know, except for the killing, I suppose. <laughs> th- th- there was quite a bit <laughs> of killing a, at the end. a bunch of people yeah. killing each other, but that was more seemed more revenge related than. Well, and there were people else. just boning in the streets too. <laughs> well, yeah, so. that's too. The random dancing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That that quote really does track the just yep. sort of the state of mind part of it more than the plot. Yep. yep. Insanity, fear, confusion. Actually, maybe it was a very successful movie. <laughs> yeah. It had a whole two million dollar budget. Mm. There are no wow. reports of any kind of box office take, which might yeah. which makes me think it might have been a film festival or something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's one of those movies too mm. where I'm like I'm I have no idea who I'm supposed to be rooting for here. Because right. everyone's kind well, of terrible. Well, back to the back to the question: Who's the main character? Yeah, not sure. Yeah, yeah. The the laboratory assistant lady. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody would listen to her. 
Yeah. Actually, I think she invented Wiscount. Well, yeah, if you, if, if, I guess if you tried to what it is. pay attention to it a little bit, it was supposed to be a sound based telescope, I guess. Yeah, like an interferometer, but with sound instead of right. light. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, because uh, there was a part in there where it, it, she said that it revealed a, another planet out there or oh, another okay. celestial body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's, that's trying that to. That they couldn't see because the of the planet. suns, yeah. but her sound telescope could detect it, I guess. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't super clear. It. It's yeah. just sort of a muddled movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very, very hand wavy, you know, sci-fi right there. But <laughs> so we we were all trying to figure out what we were going to watch for this because there's the two <laughs> movies, and so we were all going to separately watch oh, right. the 2001, and then come here and watch the the <laughs> earlier one. And did you just you just watch the wrong one? I screwed up. Okay. I watched the first 20 minutes of the 1988 movie with my family. My wife sent this quote: "This is so bad. The cinematography, the pace." Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, so you, you accidentally watched the wrong movie. I accidentally watched yeah. the wrong movie. Yeah. And then it was time to go. So there wasn't time to watch the other movie. And right. So J- James and I will give you <laughs> the down the download, uh, the, the lowdown, I guess, really. Download, right. Uh, whatever. On the 2000 movie, directed by Roger Corman. Or no, produced by Roger Produced Corman. by Roger right. Corman. Yeah. Directed by, I can't remember. Uh, it was a lady. Doesn't matter. <laughs> with David no, Carradine, with nobody. Okay, you, David Carradine's the only name that you'll know, and in, a in, bunch in, of Indians. Yes, well, it was shot on location in India. In India, and, yeah. And there's yeah. some pretty big name Indian actors, actually. Um, where, like, you look down yeah. the, the the main high priest dude mm-hmm. has been in dozens and dozens. Oh, of really? Movies. Yeah. And uh-huh. I thought he was pretty good, actually. Um, nice. And so Colin was asking about this because I I watched it yesterday, and James, did you watch? I watched it this morning. Okay. Um, it's not any great shakes. Uh, <laughs> no. The it, it introduces some other novelty that's very weird um, because it definitely has the cult right, side of it, the cult. Mm-hmm. where where they're you know they're they're basically they're they're gearing up to basically destroy the university where all the astronomers and everyone is who's David Carradine and his daughter. Okay, right. Well, they barely have astronomy. <laughs> barely, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but but they've they've realized how to how to make a filter for the for actually, a telescope, right? Astronomy in this context doesn't really make sense because they can't see any stars outside of the sun. Say, well, those are stars. Yeah. The sun is also a star. Um, but well, they, no, I know that, but I'm like, they can't see any other stars though. Right. Yeah. That's okay. what I was saying earlier. Yeah. Right? There's, it's yeah. not a very advanced science. Right. Heliotomy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there we you go. go. <laughs> uh, but they they figured out how to put a filter on their telescope to see if right. there's that blue planet out there. And they discover that body and they're like, okay, this is what's going to happen. It's just going to eclipse the that last sun. Right. And then it'll go away eventually. Meanwhile, the cult people want to come over and destroy all that science. As cults do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that they can all be saved or something. Or they some, drink the Kool-Aid. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the daughter, want, the movie starts with them discovering a cave. And this mm-hmm. is where the Indiana Jones... <laughs> right, because they, they they're like working in a mine or something, I guess. Yeah, which if you're like four hours from the end of the world, I'm not going to work. Right. Well, so yeah, this movie has your same time frame problem, right? Where yeah. it's not really. Yeah, it's a little longer. Yeah, but uh, takes takes place over multiple. But there's there's archaeology, archaeological evidence that the mm-hmm. church people want to suppress. Oh, uh, because they don't they don't want anyone knowing that there's been a cycle of civilizations. Because I guess knowing they don't really go into bad, why they don't go into why yeah, yeah. and they don't it, really know. it's again it's a little muddled where yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not sure why any of this is happening like, why do it violates they care? truth gotta hide it right. duh yeah exactly <laughs> something and so so then like the, the the daughter goes David Carradine's daughter goes out to the desert to try and study this stuff oh, does she oh, become you a forgot. snake no 
Okay, good. The random introduction of telekinesis. That's that's what I was going to get to next. <laughs> what? Right? She goes into yep. this cave and gets attacked by snakes. Um, so there are right. snakes. Oh, there's snakes. snakes. Yep. And then there's this, snakes. Yep, this yep. dude Indiana Metron. Style. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> this dude Metron, who's who's one of the, the monks, right, right, comes in there and uses some sort of psionic power to burn up the snakes. I thought it was just pyrokinesis. Pyrokinesis. He's, he's got a whole set of kinesis. Yeah. So really he's also influenced by Firestarter. Kinesis is his. Yes, because, because when <laughs> When he does it enough, he gets a huge headache. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. There's too many snakes. I need some aspirin. Yeah, and well, at some point he says that Pretty he's much. just he's just putting people's fears in their minds. Right. So like the but the, those snakes the, were actually on fire. The, the snakes were actually on fire though. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so I don't know. It, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't track. <laughs> no, and there and there's no explanation for why he has these powers other than the other right. high priest dude yeah, does too. Well. Yeah. So, yeah, the high priest of the cult. The high, yeah. You're right, right. The the head high priest guy of who the like cult. adopted him, who, yeah, rescued right. him, and brought mm-hmm. him into the into the cult, and the and the guy doesn't really believe it, um, and so he helps out the the so daughter. Weird. I, I wish I knew her name, but I I didn't care. Alira. But Illyria, Illyria, yeah. that's right. Um, and his name is Metron. Metron, which is, it's like, which okay. is one of the new gods from uh, DC Comics. Um, <laughs> Very science fiction. And, and of course, they they do the the desert sex thing too. Right. It's not as the explicit. father and the daughter. No, 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 no. Me- Metron, the- Metron, Metron. And, um, yeah, not Aton. Metron, the telekinetic and the daughter. Yeah, oh. David Carradine's daughter. Oh, that that's just like the previous movie, then. Sort of. Um, yeah. But he's more like the desert, mysterious desert person. Right. Because his origin is a little mysterious. Yep. He's adopted right. into the cult. Right. But, uh, and they, there's like the sand. Sand searchers. Sand searchers, <laughs> which is people with war paint on in the desert. Right. Sand people. <laughs> and they're um, crotchety because they have sand in their pants. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. And then, probably why they're angry. And then they find their way into this underground lair right. where there's the dark. Darklings. Darklings. Yes. yes. Who are. <laughs> <laughs> they look a lot like the monks, but in black robes instead of red. Right. And they can't evidently move without twirling a sword. <laughs> just like, Pretty much. <laughs> every step they take, they twirl their, yep. their swords, which are obviously just like cut out from aluminum. Oh, yeah. Like, they're oh. super terrible yeah. props. Yeah, super they're, terrible they're props. <laughs> um, and uh, and no, but these darklings in a cave, they're in a cave, which they're, means they're darkness. They're like in a whole yep. underwater, uh, not underwater, underground tunnel system. Yeah. And so, they're supposed to have been generations they have there's supposed to have been generations of them down yeah. there yeah so they call them darklings or that actually i think they were they alluded to them being mythical in the beginning of the movie we're like that's just our david carradine was like that's just a cult tale or whatever yeah cult myth yeah yeah but, but no yeah they're, but they're, then they're real but they're there yeah. and so they don't go into it either though but i think they were meant to be like from the previous civilization or something they yeah makes sense. underground yeah yeah, yeah. Make, that probably makes sense but they don't go into it <laughs> they don't go into any of these things. They're just like brought up and then left. They're hella loose ends. <laughs> so, so we have some fire starter in this. We also sounds like we have some battle for the planet of the apes with with the with the crazy ones that live underground. Yeah, oh yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, both battle yeah. and uh, beneath the planet of the apes. Yes. They, they don't have the. Right. They don't pray to a bomb or anything like in beneath the planet. Of the apes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's good. That's, yeah, they they could have prayed to a bomb. It would have been the nineteen eighty eight movie. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Is there yeah. a lot of sex? But, no, no. There's just like the one sex scene, and then and then like the this wasn't wasn't even. I mean, it wasn't really even a sex scene. They're, they started kissing. It, it was elliptical. You would have liked it, yeah. Right. It was, so it's, it's there's nothing explicit about it at all. No. no. Yeah. They alluded to the fact they were going to it panned out, and they would come back to him talking after they were done. Yeah. Post post coital. Yeah. Talking, and then the way it should be done. <laughs> the other guys in the cult. There's like the the leader of the 
the military wing of the cult like right. wants, wants to go and hunt down Metron. Yeah. And but but the head guy, what was his name? Don't kill him. Blah, 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 blah. His head guy. Apton. Upton. Apton? No. Aton? No, no, no. The cult leader guy. All, all I could remember is Compton, and that's not it. What was it? A Compton or something like that. Compton, yeah. yeah. Compton was there. Compton, right. right. Um he he's like, No, 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 don't don't worry about him. I'll I'll talk to him. I'll get him back in here. Because when whores and witches use their magic, no man is responsible for his actions. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> like, Jesus. Uh, what? <laughs> I, I wrote down, wow, progressive. <laughs> well, it was only 2000. I mean, it was 23 years ago. True. Pretty right. different. Yeah. I mean, from an adaptational standpoint, it still has, you know, the nightfall is coming and the religious people want to let it all burn down and think that they're going to be saved somehow through it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but not survive it. It's just like, that's what they have to do in order to attain... Heaven or something. Enlightenment. Yeah. I mean, like like the Hale-Bopp comet people, right? If you commit suicide at just the right time, then your consciousness mm-hmm. will be transferred onto that comet. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which, who are we to, to tell? Yeah. Know, we, we don't hey, have you been on the comet? See that they're not there? I have not been on the comet. <laughs> okay, let's not judge that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All we know is they are still dead here. Yes. Um, or deadish. His anyway. body's dead here. Right. Uh, Keanu? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you human? My body is. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel pain? <laughs> this body does. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what he says a lot in, in John Wick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, Julie Corman made made was was uh, on record right. for saying she really wished she could make this movie the way it needed to be made with a higher budget. Mm. And so I'm thinking, okay, twelve years later. They, they must still have the film right. Maybe that was the impetus, right. I suppose. Famous high-budget uh, <laughs> producer, Roger Corman. Direct-to-film, direct-to-video. Yeah. Now, here's something else I'm wondering. I would still like to see an adaptation of this. Yeah. I think it could be very smart. I think it could be very science fiction. Yeah. But I don't think the right people <laughs> have the rights. But no. there are two versions of this. Silverberg wrote one. Mm-hmm. That one should have its own hmm. independent film rights. Hmm. Probably. So yeah, I don't know. To all you people okay. who are, you know, rich screenwriters and movie producers who <laughs> listen to our podcast, and I know there are so many of you, <laughs> just need to get the rights from Silverberg and, and try and do this right. I mean, last time it was done was 2000, right? How long do options usually last? So, I mean, there could be a, a movie studio that's been holding on to the, you know, this for a long time, but I don't know. You, you right. might be able to just redo the short story. Maybe you need to call it something different because we've got... Two versions of it right. that have the title and it <laughs> call work. it a fall night. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things from Astounding have fallen into the public domain. Yeah. And so maybe you oh, don't need fun. the film rights. You can just do it. <laughs> mm. So it, like in terms of intelligible plot, the second movie, the, the more recent movie is, is definitely superior, right? Right. It, it sort of has a plot. <laughs> I, I still think if you haven't read the story, you might still be going, wait, what's going on? It might be a little confusing. Yeah. And, and if you have read it, you're also going to go, wait, what's going on? <laughs> this wasn't Asimov. This was Vosima. Yeah. Do you remember? There, I remember in Buck Rogers at some point, there was a big, there was a real hefty guy uh, who had some kind of telekinetic powers. And he would he would just kind of just, just grimace at things and they would fly off the wall or Buck would go flying. You know? uh-huh. That's what the guy, no, did. Right. that's what Metron did. Yeah. Just, just sort of lowered his brows. It would like zoom in on his face and he'd be mm-hmm. like, and make C- a little... look constipated for a second yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> <laughs> yep so is it fair to say that we want to see less constipation and nosebleeds and headaches from future psionic movies yeah yeah we don't probably we don't need yeah. the poop face i don't know why we need to have them 
I'm staring very intently at you. Yes. <laughs> and and we don't really need desert sexy times in an adaptation of Nightfall. No. We don't need telekinesis at all to add this, adapt this movie or short story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's novel. Yeah. I have no idea why they introduced the telekinesis. People. I don't either. No, that was so weird. Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange decision. And <laughs> what even happens at the end of that one? Now I don't even remember. Uh, they see the night sky with all the stars. That's right. They see the stars yeah. come out, but there's nothing about everybody going crazy. Mm-mm. And and so that's that's the problem. I feel like in order to adapt this yeah. properly, you have to set up what are the stakes here. Right. You know, what's going to happen? Well, we're going to see the stars, and everybody's going to go crazy, and we're going to burn everything down. Right. And, right. And that'll be the end. And if you don't have that, then you're not you're not on. Yeah, the it was rather than anybody going crazy, they just had the military cult, military wing of the cultists killing everybody. Yeah, instead, like ensuring they're yeah. it's going to be death. Oh, there, there was a big slaughter at the yeah, 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 yeah. at the university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, it just turned into when the eclipse happened. It just turned into a night sky. Mm-hmm. They showed like the Milky Way and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, you're welcome, everybody. We watched <laughs> this movie so you don't have to. Um, I am curious if there's anybody out there who's read the Silverberg mm-hmm. novel, you know, ex- adaptation. Mm-hmm. It's an adaptation to novel. Um, what was added to it and, you know, what was interesting about it? Because we don't know. Because we didn't care to do that. <laughs> we were trying to do something easy. So, um, rank them? Sure. Colin, rank the two that you watched. You, I, I would say the short story is far better. Right. Yeah. And I would say that the movie exists, but only barely. <laughs> kind of is only barely. I mean, you can, both of them are on YouTube, right? Right. In in their whole context, yeah. Yeah. Although I think I'm going to report it because it's got nudity on it, and you're not supposed to do that on YouTube. Ah. Oh. What, what was the channel for the uh, the 2000 movie? White Man Come Take oh, Everything? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the... White Man Came and Take... White came. Man Came and Took Everything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, David Carradine and a bunch of... You know, mm-hmm. Indian people. Yep. <laughs> yep. James? Oh, rank them? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, short story. Um, then probably the 2000 movie. Late yeah. 88, for yeah. sure. Agreed. Yeah. Same for me. Yeah. Not good, but less boring. Right. It, it, there's a lot more WTF in it, but... Um, yeah. But not the... Well, she did have a laser gun, actually. Solar-powered laser gun. That's right. That was yes. kind of cool. I forgot about that. She had a yeah. blaster. Yeah. And was confused why it didn't work in the cave. Right. You'd think it would have kept some charge. I guess it could. It, well, no, she it, expended it. kept it. some charge, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then we, we, we learned from exposition that it's solar-powered. Yeah. Which makes sense, because yep. everything would be sure, solar-powered. Sure, why not? Yeah. So, <laughs> anyhow, we're wrapped. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, <laughs> let me know, have you consumed any of this media? And, and if so, I hope this was therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. Take take syrup Ipecac immediately. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. And we'll leave you with a standard blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the book always fall open to where you left off. Bye, everyone. What I really hate is my Instant Pot. When it finishes, it beeps 10 times. Oh, Jesus. I'm like, that is seven more beeps than you needed. I don't know who decided to have it beep 10 times. Five, I could have understood, but it would have been two too many. Three is the perfect Wait, number. like ten times or two times? Like binary. It's twelve times an octal. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to make for an interesting blooper reel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you can't tell, we're really struggling with this one. <laughs> And we haven't even started. No. (laughs) All right.